Attention patriots. Tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com. Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999. What your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. My brothers, my sisters, I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow, the flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars, high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black, and brown. So kinsman, duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered, explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. 
Look towards the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. On this program, we conclude with the third and final part of my groundbreaking interview with the author of the book, Will Vaccines Be the End of Us? Mr. John Macero. When we left off last week, we were discussing the mentality of those who at every level are pushing the idea of vaccination. Listen. These people adopt a mentality after a while that, uh, you know, like pediatricians, for example, or people that, that give these shots in the nursing homes and stuff, people giving flu shots, uh, they talk themselves into um, believing that they're doing good, good, or at least, or either that or they just don't care. I mean, it's just their bread, you know, it's, it's how they make a living. So, so that's part of it, too. I mean, yeah. people keeping these people employed, you know, as far as. And they, you know, it's so, there's so much evidence that they're harmful, you know, at every level, childhood vaccines, you know, we haven't even talked about VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Yes, what is V-A-E-R-S? What, what, what is that? Explain that to people. Well, VAERS started in, there were so many kids in the 1980s, uh, you know, as they started piling on more and more childhood shots, you know, there were so many more uh, really bad reactions you know, and sometimes kids dying of these things. And uh, so uh, it got to the point where, you know, we, there's so much I'm leaving out here. But, you know, in 1986, actually, was a very big year. That was the year they passed the uh, Childhood Injury um, Act, something, something like that, that, that Reagan signed into law. And that basically took all the, the vaccine manufacturers off the hooks, off the hook, because they were being sued left and right from so many vaccine injuries. As I said, after that, they were no longer financially liable for any kind of damage. And then um, they unbelievable. The thing that, yeah, unbelievable is right. And, and that was like, that got the ball rolling for them to start, you know, coming up with new vaccines. And it was after, it was, I think the first new one they came up with it was in 89. And then, um, then they started piling them on. Actually, I have this written down. 1994, hepatitis B. 1989, Hib. 
Haemophilus influenza. 1996, varicella, which is chickenpox. Hepatitis A in 2006. Influenza in 2002. Human pap- papillomavirus, 2011. Meningococcal, 2014. Rotavirus, 2010. Uh, pneumococcal, uh, 2005. They just started piling all these unnecessary vaccines on uh, because they would, you know, they, they just didn't care anymore. There was no and they can't be sued. They can't be sued. So be sued. plow exactly. forward. Like with COVID. They can't be, yeah. Bring out the more risky stings because uh, who cares if they're risky? It's uh, it's it's uh, we're 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 insulated from the legal system. Exactly. So you know, so yeah, so so that's how these these they started piling them on. And so at at some point uh, they somebody pushed through this adverse event reporting system so that uh, people could at least uh, have an inkling, a clue that something was wrong with uh, some of the vaccines. Yeah, I think what they did was the, the VAERS, VAR, uh, V-A, you could go on online, V-A-E-R-S dot H-H-S dot gov. Um, that started, I think that, that with the with CDC, and it's run by the CDC and the FDA. So I think what would happen, they just threw, uh, uh, threw us a bone, you know, said, hey, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we'll let you report some of this stuff, and it's going to be, you know, There'll be a record of, of all these, uh, of all the, not only children, you know, mostly children back then. It started in 1990, and um, you can go online. I just mentioned the website, and just keep following the links that, 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 that mention uh, VAERS data. And you can see, um, you know, it started kind of slow in 1990. Now, I mean, it's up to, you know, and it started, you can see every year it's more and more reports came in. And from what I've read, I don't, you know, I'm always wary of statistics, but uh, some people claim only 1% of adverse events are reported simply because people don't even know about this. Even a lot of doctors, maybe it's a little bit different now, I don't know. But certainly before COVID came along, even a lot of doctors and pharmacists didn't even know about theirs, totally ignorant about it, mm-hmm. even though they were obligated to report adverse events. They were never reported. So Has anybody ever been only, in trouble for not reporting an adverse event? No, <laughs> no, no. It, it's like a ridiculous law, you know. It's like it just, well, it's not a ridiculous um, law, but it's treated as if it's a ridiculous it's, law. You know, they uh, they threw us a bone, but we're not really going to get the bone. It's just a pretend bone. It's a pretend bone, yeah. So, but people can go online and and just keep following the link. Just keep clicking on the links. The VAERS data, it's broken down year by year, beginning in 1990. And what's really amazing, um, with, COVID, with the COVID so-called vaccine, I mean, it absolutely skyrocketed the number of reports. It was, How I mean, interesting. It was in 20, yeah, it was unbelievable, unbelievable leap, an astronomical leap. I think it was well over 700,000 reports. And again, uh, some people claim only 1%. I, I'm, I'm a little bit more conservative that way. I, I'm thinking maybe... Um, 10% were reported, but still, really, without a doubt, a very, very small percentage of yes. actual adverse events. And of course, we're not even talking about. These Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well you know, like as lyrics to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. Like, like like you can also case, find I mean, jokes. 
news and articles, a photo gallery, free CD uh, downloads, you know, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, you know, CDs, books, could, you know, stickers, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious many, many, many people Please visit www.tightrope.cc including the things they add to the original foreign substances into their bodies. And it's not, they're not going to get into VAERS. They're not going to get into VAERS because they, exactly. they themselves don't know. They don't make the connection. Exactly. Yeah. Have you, have you heard about the uh, excess deaths that the insurance industry has been reporting since the COVID jabs came out? Absolutely. I mean, the evidence is just uh, that these, the, these COVID, you know, that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole other topic. That yeah, sure. You could have a whole. I could give you a whole series of interviews just on the COVID jabs. Just on COVID, yeah. You know, I will mention just in case for people listening. You know, I've been following this. You know, since I've been so obsessed with it. You know, as you know, you know, I had there were delays in the book. Of course, you know. By the way, you know, I, I want people to know yet that you you did the layout work for the book and that you made the book what it is. I mean, it's it's, it's it really did a super job on it. Thank you, and, John. And it makes it. Yeah, and it makes it a, a, a much more easy and enjoyable book to read. But as you know, we, we ran into some. You were doing the layout work as I as you know it was over a few years. I would send you chapters uh, and here and there, and we did run into a few delays, and that gave me the opportunity to write an afterword. Um, actually, the book was ready. I was I really I really finished the book in October of 2019. Uh, just before, two months before you all heard about COVID. Yes. But again, there were delays in, in it. I didn't end up, actually, it wasn't printed till two years, until November of 2021. So that gave me the opportunity to write an afterword and, and say a few things about the COVID vaccine up till July of 2021. And it, it was just, even at that point, uh, that was well under a year. Um, it, well, well, the COVID vaccine was rolled out in December of 2020. And uh, even in those uh, seven months, seven, eight months, I mean, it was just it was so obvious that it was a d disaster. Do you think there is a link and do you talk about this in the book between vaccines and the depopulation agenda that the quote unquote elite seems to be pursuing? I think it's an overlapping thing. I think certain people you know, we haven't even talked about how Jewish this whole thing is. I'm no, not yet. People in the seat. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think certain people. I think Bill Gates, for example. Um, you know, and I don't like to make wild allegations. I just these people that that are really on the top of the the vaccine pyramid. They are just a different kind of species. Uh, their brains just work differently. So I can't get into their thinking processes. But I think with some, I think with some of them. It's a conscious effort to reduce the, 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 the population of the planet. Yes, I do think that. I think with a lot of them, it's just a, it's an opportunity to make a huge amount of money, uh, which they have. And also, as, as, I, as I was discussing earlier, I mean, it just, it's just, it just brings on all these layers of, of, of you know, millions and millions of people that are employed in these health bureaucracies around the world, you know. Um, that well, benefit from this, from every, everything that's going on. So I think it's, you know, it's a lot of things. Well, the elite that wants to reduce the human population and the, basically the establishment, the elite that, that runs uh, the West generally and America in particular, and the top echelon, 
that has been behind the push for vaccine, you know, uh, national and international vaccinations is all of these groups are disproportionately Jewish. And there's a huge amount of overlap between these groups, too. And uh, that's one of the things that makes your book different. You discuss that. You discuss the Jewishness of the of what's going on. That's what very, very few people that have published books. You know, I'm looking at this book right now. It's a really wonderful book, Dissolving Illusions. It's probably the single best book I've read that covers the entire history of vaccination. Dissolving Illusions uh, by Suzanne Humphreys. Very, very nice lady, by the way. I exchanged emails with her several years ago. Very helpful, very kind lady. Uh, Suzanne, Suzanne Humphreys and Roman Bistrianic. And, uh, yeah, but she's... Um, yeah, people like her will not go, will not touch touch upon the Jewish aspect. And of course, Robert Kennedy, he's another story. <laughs> He'll never mention that. And of course, some Jews now have come along as spokesmen for the, uh, you know, for what a what a bad thing the the COVID vaccine is. And some of them, I think, some of them uh, do mean well. But um, but you know, I don't want to listen to them. You know, you get this like Naomi, Naomi Wolf, for example. I think she's. Her heart is in the right place, but then she brings up the Holocaust, you know, this and that. So. Yeah, that doesn't change the fact that uh, the the leaders of the vaccine movement, the pro-vaccine movement, are not only disproportionately Jewish, but wildly disproportionately Jewish. And it makes me wonder if there's something special about the mentality of the Jews that not only attracts them to fields where money can be made off of helpless people, but also perhaps attracts them to fields in which people can be egregiously harmed and tortured. Yes, it's just a, I think with, with a lot of them, it's just a blind drive just to, to destroy that goes beyond any uh, rational explanation. It's just a, a, will, a will to destroy people, even if yeah. they end up getting destroyed in the end. So, yeah, but it's very, very Jewish. I mean, Moderna, the CEO is, uh, I don't know, I've never read that this guy is Jewish. He's French, Stefan Bancel. I, I do, believe, I would certainly, I'd bet a week's pay that he is Jewish. <laughs> then Cal Zaks, who was an Israeli, he, he came over here. He was their chief medical officer. I've seen a, a TED talk he gave, I believe it was in 2017. And he's talking about just, these people are so sick in the head. He's talking about, I remember he was drawing a diagram and he's giving this TED talk. And I remember these, these words that he used. It, these, he was working on a vaccine, he said, that's going to hack the software of life. So they get into the very processes of life itself, you know, it's, which is the way a lot, you know, some Jews, as you and I well know, are. They're just going to hijack um, nature and, and remake the world in their, own, in their own completely demented view, you know. Then we have Pfizer, you know, Albert Boiler, uh, you know, and of course, Moderna and Pfizer are the two chief, manu the, the two biggest manufacturers of, of the COVID vaccines that are used in the States, that were used in, were used in the States. You know, ha happily, not that many people, very few people are getting boosters these days. But Pfizer's CEO is Albert Boiler, who is a Greek Jew. Uh, the chief scientific officer is Michael Dolston, a Swedish Jew. And until and the other the third manufacturer um, was uh, Johnson and Johnson, and until very recently their CEO was Alex Gorsky, who is Jewish as well. So yeah, it's it's a very very it's a very Jewish business. 
if these people, these Jews who are high up in the vaccine industry, as you speculate, have a blind drive to destroy or harm and make people pay for being destroyed and harmed along the way, if that's true, that means that at some level they know what they're doing. They know these things are harmful. Otherwise, they wouldn't see them as destructive. I'm sure. I'm, sh- I'm sure they do. You know. And by the way, I want to. You know, I don't know what you think of the protocols, the learned elders, elders of Zion. <laughs> I, you know, I think it's. I think it was written by somebody who really, really. I don't think a bunch of gray beard Jews sat down and wrote this thing. I, but I do think probably somebody in Russia who is very, very perceptive and who figured them out a long time ago, well over a hundred years ago, wrote it. But this is what's interesting. I never. I read the protocols quite a while ago, maybe 10, years, uh, 10 15 years ago, and so, uh, somebody who read my book wrote to me saying that it was, it was, they wrote in protocol number 10, and I checked this out, I know it's true now, they t- that they talked about inoculating, um, inoculating people with disease. That was just... It was like, <laughs> Amazing. It, yeah, it was... Yeah, as a matter of fact, I have the protocols right in front of you. Want me to read the passage? Go ahead. Let me see if I have it right here. Let me see. It is indispensable to trouble in all countries the people's relations with their governments so as to utterly exhaust humanity with dissension, hatred, struggle, envy, and even by the use of torture, by starvation, by the inoculation of diseases. <laughs> so there it is. Interesting. Very interesting. It, very interesting. That, that's protocol. It's in, uh, well, the copy I have, I don't know, it's page 87, but it's protocol number 10 towards the end of that uh, chapter. Yes. Well, I agree with you that probably the protocols are not a verbatim copy of a meeting of Jewish elders. However, I agree it could be that it was written by someone with a tremendous amount of insight into not only Jewish psychology, but the plans and activities, even future plans and activities of Jews, uh, must have been known to this person. And I also think that the protocols themselves could possibly have been a, a real Jewish document, but it's, which was tampered with over the years by people with other Political, with, with political agendas that made them want to add things into it. For example, one of the things that always made me doubt the protocols was that they say they're going to use uh, Friedrich Nietzsche and Nietzscheanism as a method to destroy uh, our civilization. I think that's preposterous. But I think that could be an interpolation that some Christian minister or priest inserted into the original document just to make Nietzscheanism look bad, basically. And Darwin is also mentioned in a similar way. Now, I, I believe that Darwinian evolution is not only true and real, but it's the one of the greatest discoveries of all time. And I, I doubt that the Jews created it to destroy faith in the church. I think somebody interpolated that into the protocol. Either the author did or some later editor did. And I don't think well, we may never know the answer. However, right, there's yeah. just so much psychological insight and too many things that are so prescient in that document to make me think it's, it's, it's a, it's a fake. I think it's very, very real on many levels. Yeah. And as you know, as I'm sure you know, Hitler mentioned it in uh, Mein Kampf. 
I think he said something along the lines of uh, the Jews scream about it being a forgery, which is a little more proof that it's real, <laughs> or at least that it made sense. Yes. And of course, Henry Ford, Henry Ford as well, you know, I think there's a famous quote from him. He said something like, the only thing, the only thing I care to say about the protocols is that they fit the world. Uh, you know, he's writing, he's writing like in uh, the early, I think maybe 1920. Right. Um, so the, the, the protocols were only around about 20 years at that time. Yep. And he said something like, the protocols fit the world back when they were published, and they, and they fit it now. Exactly. So that's all I care to say about them. So, But yeah, we, we, you could see how, how this subject just um, spins off into so many uh, side subjects, so many related side subjects. And that's really what, my, what, what differentiates my book as well. Yes, I there's no play, other kind of, book that does that, and yours definitely yeah. does it, and it does it fantastically well. Well, thank you. <laughs> you changed my life with that book. I was already starting to get a little bit skeptical of the medical establishment before I read it, but you put the nail in the coffin. I, I, I now believe that the medical establishment in this country, although, you know, they probably do still do some good things, I do believe that they are as corrupt as the political and judicial establishments in this country. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we've talked about this before. You know, I just stay away from doctors. I, I don't want to. Of course, if I have a car accident, I want to be taken to the hospital. That sort of thing. I, you know, if it's an emergency, yes. Otherwise, I just kind of, uh, yeah, I, I just avoid the whole, the whole field of medicine. Just stay away from it. You know, just eat healthy, exercise, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be turning seventy very soon, and I'm, I've done okay for myself. I haven't taken a prescription drug in, I think, 33 years, you know, I just... Uh, Congratulations, maybe, that's great. Hardly, <laughs> maybe two or three aspirins in that time. So, um, yeah, you don't need them. They're, they're just, it's just the, it's just modern medicine is just insanity for the most part. And, what would um, you say to a young couple who was just getting started in their married life, preparing to have their first child, though? What would you say to them uh, facing that situation and facing the medical establishment that's going to be really pushing them, maybe even the employers pushing them to be vaccinated and to have their kids vaccinated. What would you say to them? I would say do everything you possibly can to avoid every single vaccination. I, it's kind of tough these days. You can still do it legally. There's, first of all, I would say, you know, I don't know much about giving birth at home, but looking back, if I, if I, if I were to have a child now, I would definitely do that. I would use a midwife, you know, somebody who didn't, who, who had no use for vaccines, give birth at home because in, in the hospitals now, I think this is the case in just about every, I don't know, I know it's the case in New York State, but I think in most states, maybe in every state, it's, it's, just, it's just done, you know, newborn babies are, not, are given a hepatitis B vaccination within 12 hours of birth. I know that in Pennsylvania in most, you can decline that, but go ahead. Yeah, but I think in most cases they don't even. Um, yeah, I don't think it's it's not it's not it's not the law that it has to be done. But I, I'm gonna, I would wager that in most cases the, the the parents aren't even told about it. It's just done. Then when the baby leaves the hospital, they you know they have a little record that they got the hepatitis B vaccine. Wow. And that to me is the most obscene vaccination because hepatitis b is like aids it's a it's a it's a disease of of queers of promiscuous queers and um and and, and needle using drug addicts and, and it's a it's a blood-borne disease 
It spread exactly like AIDS. I mean, I never in my life heard of anybody uh, getting hepatitis B. You know, any 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 person outside of those um, those two categories: homosexuals and uh, and drug addicts using using share, you know sharing needles. So it's just obscene the fact that they would give a, a shot like that to a baby right after he or she is born. I mean, it's just it's just it's it's a hard you know and that that. That tells you all you need to know to know about the whole industry. I mean, it's just yes. demented. There's a really, really excellent website. There's a lot of good websites, but my 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 really my favorite go-to website is howbadismybatch.com. Okay. Um, which goes into every every conceivable angle. I mean, you could spend a year on this site just clicking on all the links, which take you to other links. Um, you know, and it's all this so many separate categories of of um of, of people investigating certain aspects of it i don't know if you heard about this uh embalmers people that you know work in funeral homes that are embalming people the first one that spoke out of, about this was a a guy uh, a guy who uh, an embalmer from alabama named richard hirschman that was the first video i've seen he said for the first time in his career and he's been doing this for like more than 20 years he, about four or five months after the shots started, he said it became very difficult to embalm people because he was pulling out these long, white, fibrous substances that he had never seen in, in his career. Yes, I've and seen that. Embalming, you've seen it, okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's just one of, the many, one of the many angles of it. That was highlighted me. in the film Died Suddenly, which I managed to download uh, when YouTube had it up, but YouTube only allowed that movie to be up for about a week, and then it was taken down. But I managed to download it and watch it. Is, is that the Stu Peters one? I, I believe so. Like? Yes. Something very odd is happening that embalmers are noticing, and something very odd is happening that the life insurance industry has taken note of a lot of excess deaths in uh, among young and middle aged people. What do you think of Robert Kennedy, Jr.? I think he's he's basically a. I, I, I don't trust the guy at all. I think you know when he wrote that book, The Real Anthony Fauci. It's definitely a book worth reading, uh, even though it's it's there's so much so much of his liberal nonsense is just kind of scattered through it. Yeah. But he really goes against. He just goes against the whole medical industrial complex with uh, with guns with blazing guns. You know, I kind of admire him for that. But I don't know where he's coming from. He says. You know, let me just read you a quote. I have his book. This is a book called uh, Vaccine Whistleblower. I have it right in front of me here. This book was published, I think it was 2015. And the subtitle is uh, Exposing Autism Research Fraud at the CDC. And he was asked to, uh, you know, because he's such a celebrity, every, you know, you have the name Kennedy, you're very sought after. So Indeed. he was asked to write the forward, for, forward of this book. And this is, this is how he begins it. I have always been fiercely pro-vaccine. I had all six of my children vaccinated. I believe that vaccines have saved millions of lives and that broad vaccine coverage is desirable. To achieve these go those goals, we need safe, va safe vaccines, transparent and reliable science, and an independent regulatory agency. And on his website, Children's Health Defense, he puts forth a six-point plan, uh, which I think is completely just totally toothless and useless. He just, he doesn't, 
he definitely believes in vaccines. He believes in safe vaccines. And he's never addressed the fact that there has never been a safe vaccine. Right. That um, it's, a, it's a contradiction in terms. I mean, you can't have a, a safe vaccine. You're dealing with foreign animal matter. I believe every vaccine has some kind of animal protoplasm in it and chemicals. So how, the hell, how does anybody know what, what that's going to do? Another website that I go to quite a, quite a, quite a few times is healthimpactnews.com, which I think is a very, very good site, except for uh, the guy's really, really Christian. He throws in a lot of Bible verses, which I mean, just kind of, I just kind of, you know, overlooked that. Okay. Anyway, he has on that on that site. He uh, on the January third, twenty twenty three, an article that he posted on that date. He has a twenty six second clip of uh, Robert Kennedy uh, doubling down on his belief. He, again, he says he's fiercely pro vaccine, and this it, this is a quote now. From that um, from that article, so it's, it's a video. He says we ought to have policies that encourage full full vaccination for all Americans. And you know where the hell is this guy coming from? I, I, I full vaccination for all Americans. What I can't, can't understand though is why so many people in the you know that really good people that don't believe in that that are not pro vaccine. Um, look up to him and want them to write, want him to write, to speak for them and write, you know, write, write things like this forward in this book. Because he's a famous I mean, I, man. He's got a connection to a, uh, a political dynasty and uh, he's giving them a few crumbs, a few crumbs <laughs> that no other famous person was willing to give them until now. And so they're, they're worshiping at his feet a little bit. That's, that's the way I see it. No, I think I think you're onto something there. I mean, it's I, just I, like I when 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 people who are white racialists heard Donald Trump uh, criticizing Janet Yellen and George Soros and making some dark hints about conspiracies behind the Federal Reserve, they really thought that those crumbs meant that Trump is secretly one of us. And so, you know, some people who are vaccine critical think. Robert Kennedy is really one of us. He just can't come out and say it all. So it's a very similar right, phenomenon, right. I think. What what he really is and what Donald Trump really is, I don't even know. Does anybody know? Does Donald Trump even know? Does Robert Kennedy Jr. really know? They're, they're politicians, and politicians are by their very nature kind of plastic people. I don't mean plastic like, you know, the material plastic, but I just mean plastic in the sense of, they can be anything, any shape, at any time. Yeah. To to get ahead, John. I think we've we've said a lot. I want to thank you for being on with us, and I appreciate uh, really what has been a, a work of decades for you. And it changed my thinking. It made me see the world more clearly. And I believe that your book can do that for other people, not only on the vaccine issue, but also on the disastrous course that our civilization is taking under Jewish misrulership. So I thank you for all your work and all you've done. And I hope everyone reads Will Vaccines Be the End of Us by John Massero. Thank you very much for those kind words. Yeah, I put a lot into that book. And as I said earlier, you were part of it. I mean, you made the book what it was. So so we, we worked as a team and then you know, every week I get I get a few emails, well, maybe two or three emails a week or letters. Sometimes I get letters from people telling me how, how it made the, made them see things so, so much more clearly. So that's 
That's all you can ask for as an author. You can get your own copy of Will Vaccines Be the End of Us by visiting natall.com slash vbook. That's N-A-T-A-L-L dot com slash vbook. A big thanks to author John Massero for being with us here on American Dissident Voices. Listen to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible, ending in an ear splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And. We will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, dot U.S. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. Team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, 
replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Und das heißt